welcome to Mojo for the Modern Man. This is your host, Ken Mossman, and today I'm joined for part two of my conversation with former outdoor educator, uh, current fire chief and rabbi, Howard Cohen. And in the second half of our conversation, Howard digs into looking at the big picture first and finding the connection between the natural world, vulnerability, and experiences of the sacred. Howard also digs into the value and importance of community uh, in relationship to not only his work as a congregational rabbi, but the bigger picture of what community is is all about. Once again, there's a lot to this conversation, and if you listen to part one, which I'd highly recommend, the second half of our conversation is every bit as delightful and quirky and fun as the first half. And with that, one reminder, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. And let's go ahead and get into this second half of the conversation with Howard Cohn. Enjoy. How does your outdoor experience inform your work, your uh, your rabbinical work? Um, you know, when I was... Uh, uh, you know, there, there's a, so this, this is something I come to, I, I can articulate after the fact of being a rabbi. And then before I, I, I couldn't have put the, in these terms coming into the, the, the world of the rabbinic world. Um, there's a, there's a binary in, in Jewish liturgy that uh, um, starts with universal and becomes particular. Um, it's a binary that that's that starts that, that's evident in the in the smallest component of liturgy from the, the basic blessing, Baruch blessed are you, Lord God, ruler of the universe. Um, that's the traditional translation, um, and then it becomes very then it becomes particular, it becomes specific, and that binary was was noted by by rabbis, you know, fifteen hundred two thousand years ago. And they, they asked about it, and they asked about it specifically in, with regards to a particular prayer known as the Shema, and said, um, you know, why is the universal before the particular? Universal being, you know, the whole world versus the particulars of commandments, the mitzvot, or the Torah, or the Jewish people. And the answer is, they said, if, if you don't embrace the importance of the universal first, then the particulars don't really matter. Mm. And so if you if you come down to sort of like an environmental level, if you if you're preoccupied with the particulars only of Judaism or Catholicism or Christianity or any you know specific religion, if you're just, you know, if that's if you're that if you're that parochial and uh, and you're thinking and you're missing the big picture that we all live on the same earth, that we all breathe the same air, and we all have to drink the same water, you're, you're, it's, you're missing the point. You're, you're, miss, you're, you're wasting your time. Um, I know that that's a little um, oversimplifying and kind of trying to, to generalize it so that it's not a particular, particular rabbinic lesson. But the, so the bottom line is that you, you have to start with appreciating the world you live in. And there's no better way to, to come to appreciate the world and to spend time in it 
of the get mm. outdoors and and, mm. and and that so that's one area of 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 real of, of where they connect the other is that um when you're outside you um a, a lot of the 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 incidental bag you know uh uh clothing the, the strapping you know the the things that distract us you know how beautiful the building is how beautiful the stained glass it, it distracts us from like the 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 beauty of, of the natural world and our place in it but it also makes us vulnerable and it, and and if you're not vulnerable you can't really be open to full experience uh, and that's and so when you're out and I would take people out in the back country. So it wasn't like, let's just go to the park. It was like, we're going to go, you're going to get out of your car. You're going to get in a canoe and you're going to paddle, um, you know, 10, 15 miles in. There's not going to be electricity. You're going to have to go to the bathroom in a box or in the hole ground. And if it rains hard, it's going to rain hard. You know, all those sorts of things. Um, that, that brings people into an awareness of, you know, the sacred, um, the, the holy, you know, the, um, I, I'm a religious humanist, so I, for me, it's not important to say to an awareness of or a connection to God, but it brings you into an awareness of, you know, there's whole, you know, um, life is life is wonderful, and 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 it's fragile, and it depends on us working together, and that just comes out in in really really powerful ways when you're in the outdoors. And by the way. Outward Bound was created by a Jew. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Kurt Hahn, I uh, was an Austrian Jew, started the program um, to, to teach resilience, to teach, you know, to, uh, to teach, you know, social responsibility. Um, so physical fitness. Uh, uh, so it, it, they, they all fit together um, in, in a way for me. So, um, well, there's there's uh, so much in there. Wow, there's 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 so much in there we could we could peel apart and and look at, and you know one of the big pieces that I'm hearing is, and again I'm not attached to this language, so feel free to push back on it, make it you know change it in any way that 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 suits you, is you know the 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 rich experience. You know, and anyone who's spent time in the in the in the wilderness, I think it's 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 hard not to have this experience. Uh, and you you addressed it so beautifully, so I'm probably just reiterating it in different words. But um, feeling part of this massive whole, and there's something about you know whole W H O L E feeling part of this massive whole and this wondrous uh, uh, whole, if you will. And at the same time, feeling tiny, insignificant, uh, and 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 that's the vulnerability piece. But the way those two things, in many ways, uh, as, uh, in terms of human experience, yeah, can't have one without the other. Right. Well, you know, there's there's a there's, there's a cute little expression that says if the universe is universally expanding, where I stand is the center of the universe. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, a couple of thoughts while you're talking one is that um relate, very specifically related to the point you just made is that there, there's a um, famous jewish teaching that says that uh, that once you carry two pieces of paper 
one, a piece of paper in one pocket and a piece of paper in the other pocket. And on one it says, um, the world was created for me. And the other says, I'm nothing but dust. Mm. Uh, so that sense of balancing between what I do matters, what I do is important. I am a unique person with unique gifts and, and, and unique opportunities to Im- improve, impact the world. And yet I'm no different than anybody else in that respect. You know, and then when I'm dead and gone, I'll be dead and gone. You know, and so it's like, um, it, it is, it is, it is a balance. You know, it's, it, it, uh, it propels us, but then it says, you know, don't let it go to your head. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's Beautiful. a, there's, uh, there's a story I wanted to tell you, a real quick story related to doing things in the outdoors. Also, uh, so um, it comes from a, it's a Hasidic story from some. 18th and 19th century, and I, I apologize to the to the to the rabbi whose for whose name it stole because I can't remember it off the top of my head. But he has a son, and his son uh, doesn't like to go to the yeshiva to learn or to be in the synagogue. He likes to go play in the woods, and he's out there all the time. And parents are getting a little worried, you know. Okay, well, he's not our he's got not going to be our scholar son, but you know, okay, but we're worried because it's dangerous, you know. And there's there's bandits, there's Bears. There's all kinds of things, and so the, the father has it, sits him down, and he says, uh, "We're a little concerned about why you, you know, spend all this time out in, in the dangerous woods." Um, and the, the son says, uh, "Well, I go there because I, I like to, I find God out there." And the father says, "Well, you know, you can find God in the synagogue too, you know, because that's the same God." And the son says to his father, "Yes." But I'm not the same when I'm out in the woods. Mm. So that, that's a, that's another piece that connects it, brings it all together for me. That story. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 and, and if you could underline, you know, highlight the 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 spiritual lesson in that, what would it be? Um. Uh, I there's there, there's not a lesson. I, I I can't I couldn't distill it to, to a, a one simple lesson. Certainly the lesson of uh, the importance of of being outdoors and connecting to the world, the larger world around you. Um, another spiritual lesson is being true to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, recognizing that, that that you have that there's multiple aspects to who we are, and so. You know, to say, hey, I'm I'm different when I'm in the classroom. I'm different when I'm in this role. But you know, here I'm I'm you know either more open or I'm more free. Uh, I, th- those are important spiritual lessons. Um, I, I mean, again, as a religious humanist, the other lesson is that uh, you know, uh, experiencing that which some would call the divine, whatever that is, um, it is not limited to any particular place. Our time, and so it's just an opportunity for you know. So if that's what works for you, just as my colleagues would say, for me, it's when I'm studying, when I'm learning. You know, that's that's when I feel the most connected and you know, the most sort of open. So it's it's just a place. So um, yeah, you know, spiritual lessons. I'm not even sure what the word spiritual means. So <laughs> that, that, was, that was my attempt to try to answer that. So. Well, I think you did pretty well with the answer either way. And, and you know, and and, and, and I got to say, I love where you're pointing here because I can, you know, personally, I can point to experiences of 
of uh, of standing in front of a of a canvas you know when i painted standing in front of a canvas and having you know having something come together all of a sudden uh that that felt like i was connecting to something very much outside of myself or of course many examples of being out in the natural world be it be it uh forest or mountains or or or, or ocean um you know playing 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 loud rock and roll you know <laughs> really you know really there are all kinds of moments all kinds of experiences so yeah. It's just for me. For me, the outdoors was was one that 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 always you know that worked best for me. I'm not particularly musical. I'm not particularly artistic. But but the outdoors and you know being outdoors and being that that was that was a place where it, it worked for me. So yeah. And and how how much time do you get to spend in the outdoors these days? Well, it's a trade off having gone into the fire service. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, leaving aside COVID and, you know, the, the times we're living in, um, you know, everything's a trade-off. Uh, I, I, for, uh, when I was in rabbinical school, I started a business called Burning Bush Adventures, which was Judaism in a wilderness context, right? I, that's when I would take groups of people out. And uh, a few years ago, I decided that I, I my trips now, I want to be for me. So I, I, uh, I gave the business to a, a young colleague. So I try to get out, I, I you know, as often as I can. Um, but the, the fire service has got me pinned down. It's something I, I struggle with the scheduling, you know, and that idea because, uh, um, you know, we we don't work on a shift basis. And so I, you know, we're like my, my co-chiefs were like trying to always figure out who's going to be around and that's, that's helped things back. And then my wife's job and, you know, the work things, you know, how those things are. It's like, um, it, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then if you're doing everything, if your work is what you'd like to be doing recreationally, it sort of taints the recreational aspect of it after a while. <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know, during the spring and summer, I got out a lot on my bike um, and, and got out and did some paddling. But uh, lately, I, I spend too much time doing like I'm doing right now, looking at a computer screen. <laughs> Pardon the intrusion. Just a quick reminder, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. Let's get back into the conversation with Howard. Yes, well, we're, we're all... <laughs> That's great. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap in a few minutes. And, and, and I do want to hear one more story for you. Uh, and that is that, you know, uh, when we were setting this up, you mentioned that you let, you know, you, 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 you let go of uh, full-time congressional duties. Um, you've done a lot, you know, you've got a, 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 a by any stretch of the imagine, at least my imagination anyway, a, a, a kind of a cool resume, if, if we can even describe it as such. And, um, you know, you made this, what, what led you to the decision of, of letting go of being, uh, of, you know, having your own quote unquote, you know, congregation on a full-time basis. I know you do some part-time now. What, what led to that decision and what do you, what do you appreciate about it? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the best way I can describe it is not exactly in the, the most pleasant metaphor, but I, I found myself coming to describe full-time congregational work as akin to uh, chemotherapy. Uh, it does a job. 
And then sometimes just does the job effectively, but there's a lot of often pretty unpleasant side effects along the way. Um, what I found was that uh, congregational life uh, had lost a, to, had, had lost a lot of its relevance to people mm. and, and had it caused a lot of, um, I, thought, I think pushed a lot of people away from the, the valuable religious experience they could have uh, within the Jewish framework, the ritual experiences, the, the life cycle experiences, the learning experiences, but, but the politics and the dynamics of the institution of synagogue um, it, um, really, really uh, tainted the experience for a lot of people. And, that, and it did that for me too. When I started with this little congregation in, in Vermont, I was the first full-time rabbi that had in over 20 years. It was a long shot on their part to, to hire a full-time rabbi and was facilitated by the fact that they, they landed, some money landed in their lap. Um, we grew uh, and we were really became very dynamic with a 75 to close to 100 families over a few years. But there were some really amazing people who were involved, really creative and people who um, you know, valued the, the central address of the synagogue, but didn't want it to be what they, you know, what they grew up with or saw. They wanted the best of what they grew up with. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And um, there was an unintentional consequence of that. Uh, we attracted a lot of people who didn't have that same motivation. And then, you know, things like death and divorces and moves, um, changed the whole leadership and the energy. And I just found that, you know, kind of the inertia of the synagogue is to go back to a place that's not really very, you know, engaging and, you know, dynamic, uh, creative. Now that's not true of all the synagogues. And, and, and so I, I'm, this is my experience. And so I, I wanted a change. Um, the, the synagogue in, in Bennington uh, survived. Um, uh, it, it survived really well for another five years. And then some decisions were made and, um, it suffered a setback, but some of that can be a lot of that can be attributed to demographics. But I I found myself looking at, at at old men walking down the street and thinking, if I don't make a change, and I had I had a life contract, I had tenure. I said, well, if I don't yeah. make a change, that's going to be me before I know it, and I don't want that to happen. And so I uh, uh, I I took the leap. Uh, <laughs> Call a leap of faith, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I, I announced that I was going to resign. I, basically, I said retired because I had tenure. So I, I um, and that's kind of, you know, why I left. And, you know, I still see the importance of a central address that the synagogue represents, but the politics, the dynamics of building stuff, it just, it creates an energy that, uh, that that's hard. And, um, one of the blessings of COVID, if you could think of it as offering a blessing, is that it's radically making us rethink how we interact as a community, what's important about community to us. Um, and um, that's what I'm exploring now with the leadership of this little congregation that I, I take care of on the outside of Boston, on the South Shore of Boston. Um, like, we can't meet in person. How do we stay together? What's, you know, what's important about existing, you know, exploring all those things. So, um, yeah, um, um, I, I don't really miss congregational life. Uh, you know, I miss the, I miss the ritual that, that, that happened around there. 
but you know, rituals by yourself, they're hard to sustain, I mean, you know? Yes. And so when the, when the energy shifted and people stopped, you know, wanting to engage as a community around the rituals, it became harder and harder. So, uh, I don't know if that's quite answering your question, but, uh, you know. Well, what I, what I heard in there, Howard, uh, and, and thanks for sharing the story. What I heard in there was, I, I, I think, uh, again, it's a story that's very relatable because one of the, one of the, da- you know, one of the gifts of institutionalizing anything is that it, it be it be it's the definition using the word in the definition that is it becomes institutionalized it's something that 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 can potentially be relied on one of the downsides of institutionalizing just about anything is 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 the danger of it of it becoming stale becoming uh becoming uh uh rigid or dogmatic um and then not just obviously not just in a re- not not necessarily in a religious way, but as you you mentioned in a political way, in a it, you know thing thing when we start to systematize things, on the one hand, um, there's benefits, and on the other hand, there's downfalls, and it's not well, for everybody. Right. Well, you know, you, you could read the history of religion exactly that way, right? So, uh, you know, um, um. Abraham comes along and he shatters the, you know, the norms of, you know, what existed before him. A period of time goes along and you get Moses and shatters that, you know, model. And then you have another model. Then Judaism comes along and that gets shattered by Christianity and Christianity gets shattered by the subsequent groups of Christianity. And so it's, it's the rule. It's the way things go. You have revelation, you have something new, it becomes, canonized and canonized becomes fossilized fossilized becomes institutionalized and institutionalized gets broken it has to be has to be broken apart you know to so you can breathe and be more creative because this and by the way to this is exactly where fire departments and congregations are are almost parallel institutions they both operate from the same philosophy that's the way we've always done it yeah uh. and, and in the fire service that's deadly uh, I mean, literally, deadly. In in the religious community life, it's existentially deadly, you know, but not, you know, literally deadly. I mean, and, it's, and you know, it, it. you ask any firefighter, go go to your town and you ask them, it's like, so how much does that notion of like, this is where we've always done it, you know, hold, hold sway. And uh, every year, the fire leaders in the fire service say, you know, we do deaths really good but we need to change our ways so we don't have to do the funerals anymore as often, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, so there's definitely the parallels. <laughs> yeah. That's a great, that, I, I, I love that. I love the, the, the model that you just offered. It's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> so we're, we're, I'm noticing a time here. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap in a, in a moment. Um, if people want to learn more about you or, or be in conversation with you, how can they best reach you? They can email me at rav, that's Robert Apple Victor, uh, firefighter at gmail.com. Rav is Hebrew for rabbi. So it's uh, uh, that they can email me there. Uh, they could text me at 802 440 1023. You can find me on, I have a website. Uh, look under uh, Rabbi Howard A. Cohen. 
Uh, and uh, there you, I have a page for my firefighting, a page for my rabbi and stuff. I still have a page for my Burning Bush Adventures business, but I have to, haven't taken it down. And my, my life coaching practice called Pemsequa Coaching. Pemsequa is an Ojibwe word for paddle, uh, which is a verb and a noun. And I, I like that. Uh, like God is a noun and a verb also. So uh, I like that. But, uh, uh, and I haven't done much with the, with the coaching because the fire service stuff, but they can find that at rabbihowardacohen.com. Great. And I'll make sure that makes it into the, yeah. the, the notes when I post the episode. So any, any final words before we part company here? Yeah. Thanks for honoring me with this hour of, of a conversation about uh, me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know that when the, when the podcast comes out, um, you're definitely going to have a big fan in my, in the form of my mom. <laughs> because of COVID is, is, you know, well, she, you know, she loves to hear about her kids anyway, but, uh, so, uh, she, uh, I, she will be very proud to hear you and you, you have done a, you have done a, a, a great woman, a great service by doing this. Well, thank, thank you for yeah. uh, reaching out to me. Yeah. Thanks. It's been a delight having you and, and mom, I hope you've enjoyed the, <laughs> the, the conversation as well. Hopefully you heard some stories you hadn't heard yet. Thank you, Howard. All right. Very good. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest Howard Cohen here on Mojo for the Modern Man. I do hope you enjoyed both parts of our conversation. And if you want to reach Howard, there's contact information in the program notes. And if you want to reach me, of course, do so via my website. That's Cirrus, C-I-R-R-U-S, Leadership. Dot com, And you can visit the website and find links to my upcoming classes, as well as uh, sign up for my newsletter. And of course, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. I look forward to seeing you back here soon. Make it a great day. Be well and take care.